Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hey, Erica Cruz Guevara here. Last month, we told you about Brandon Lee, a San Francisco native who moved to the Philippines in 2010 to do some environmental activism work. But in August, Brandon was shot multiple times in what many believe was a targeted attack on an activist by the Duterte administration. Here at home, his loved ones are calling this an assassination attempt. Brandon remains in the Philippines and in critical condition, according to his family. And now San Francisco supervisors are trying to figure out how to bring him back for medical help and protection. One thing that I can take from our visit with him that I want to share is uh, his extraordinary strength, his uh, commitment and courage, and his will to survive and to heal. Brandon suffered eight cardiac arrests after he was shot, but is now breathing on his own and mouthing responses. There's still no word on who exactly tried to kill Brandon Lee, which is why his family, friends, and San Francisco supervisors are calling on the federal government to do something. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Welcome to the Bay. At a press conference at San Francisco City Hall last week, Brandon's mom, Louise Lee, gave an update on her son's health in a video message. We are very concerned for his safety. The assailant is still out there and could come back to finish the job. I'm hoping that the U.S. Embassy and other U.S. representatives will be able to help us with medically evacuating Brandon and bringing him back home to San Francisco. There were friends and family at the press conference. So was San Francisco Supervisor Matt Haney. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for for joining us. Um, He went to the Philippines to visit Brandon a few weeks ago, and he's asking other politicians, state and federal, to help in any way they can to get him medical care and protection. It is uh, shameful that a U.S. citizen is out there in this situation, currently under threat uh, and not being fully protected Uh, by the Philippines government or let alone uh, uh, adequately by the American government. Brandon was working as a paralegal and human rights advocate for indigenous communities in the Ifugao province in northern Philippines. He warned repeatedly of intimidation by the Philippine government for his activism there. What is clear is that uh, he was the target of an assassination attempt. There is no doubt about that. And uh, for that reason, this is of the, should be of the utmost uh, importance and concern to our federal representatives, to the U.S. government, and to this community to make sure that he is able to come home safely. 
Brandon's family is looking after him at the hospital. And they say there have been people trying to see Brandon claiming to be family who aren't. His aunt is concerned about Brandon's security and whether help from state and federal leaders will ever come. It is so hard to wait for help and not know if help is coming. Supervisor Marr. Um, thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, On Tuesday, Supervisors Haney and Gordon Marr introduced a resolution supporting Brandon's immediate evacuation from the Philippines to ensure his safety and immediate access to adequate medical care. And it also urges um, our San Francisco federal representatives to initiate a congressional investigation into the shooting of, of Brandon. I spoke with a friend of Brandon's, Faye Lacanilao, for an episode of The Bay a few weeks ago. They met after Faye joined the League of Filipino Students at San Francisco State. As friends, family, and now local politicians plead for help from the U.S. government, we're going to listen in on my conversation on how the local Filipino community has responded to Brandon Lee's shooting and how the activism that starts here in the Bay Area resonates across the world. Brandon has been an activist, I think, since he was in college. Faye Lacanilao has been friends with Brandon since around 2008. They met at San Francisco State University. Faye had immigrated from the Philippines and joined the student activist group called the League of Filipino Students. LFS was really about asking that question of, like, if the Philippines is so rich and wealthy in resources, and why are the Filipino people so poor? When I joined, Brandon was one of the people that I met, and I thought he was Filipino. It took me so long to learn that he was actually Chinese-American from the sunset. Um, That's really how we really got to know each other and bonded over that, but also Backstreet Boys and Harry Potter. (laughs) When did he sort of start his activism? Like, what was the thing that got him going? Yeah. Especially around, like, Filipino issues. I'm really curious yeah. about that. I was curious, too. I was like, why are you really into this stuff? The way he, I remember him talking about it was really his first um, exposure trip to the Philippines. I think his first one was in 2007, I believe. And he went with our good friend Lyle and Princess. LFS members on exposure trips spend a month in the Philippines working with local farmers, workers, and organizers fighting for social change in the Philippines. The students learn how to support Filipinos in the homeland from the United States. That was also like where he fell in love. It was during that time he met his like now wife around that exposure trip. When he visited the Ifugao communities, he learned about what Landis life really looked like day to day for those communities. Mm. I think it was for him also just growing up as like a working class San Francisco kid who um, was trying to understand why like things were unfair and things like were set up the way it was. And he learned that in LFS. A lot of what LFS does is try to focus on understanding the connections between Filipinos here and Filipinos in the homeland and sort of trying to draw this line between the fight for liberation of Filipinos in both countries. And it sounds like that's what Brandon was doing. Brandon is an example that I give. He's an internationalist in that he supports our liberation in the Philippines because he knows it is connected to the liberation of all oppressed peoples all over the world. 
Duterte proposes a change in the system of government to resolve the problem once and for all. Mass extrajudicial killings uh, as a quote-unquote crime solution. And those people who are paying for that are Filipinos. Brandon moved to the Philippines in 2010. That was the year that 196 people were charged in what the Human Rights Watch called the worst politically motivated violence in the Philippines in recent memory. Among them was a former provincial governor and ally of then-president Gloria Macapagal Arroyo. But Brandon wanted to move to the Philippines because he was going to be a father. He learned that he was going to have a baby with Bernice. And like, you know, it's a trip because instead of like petitioning them to come here, he was like, no, I think I want to be there with them. And he was like, why would I uproot my family there when actually more of us are needed there? So that's why he moved. Brandon was labeled an enemy of the state by the Philippine government in 2015 for his activism. What made him a target of the Philippine government? What kind of work was he doing? Yeah, so he currently, from what I understand, um, is in Ifogao Peasant Movement. He's part of the Cordillera Human Rights Alliance. He also writes for the Northern Dispatch. Hello, my name is Brandon Lee. Um, I'm a volunteer at the Ifogao Peasant Movement, IPM. Um, for us, uh, we have been harassed, intimidated, uh, threatened, um, with death threats, vilified, attacked, um, under surveillance constantly um, since 2010. Um, this has a lot, a lot of it has. He's to do doing with a lot of anti-mining work um, and also being critical of the anti-mining act that allows foreign corporations to keep mining sort of like endlessly in the Philippines. A lot of it has to do with um, us defending the land, life, and resources of indigenous peoples here in Ipunao. There's so many riches in it's like oozing out of the lands that they're on, especially in Ifugao and in the Cordilleras. Like you can find all kinds of minerals there. And so the mining that's been happening in the Philippines actually has been really bad on the people living there in that it displaces them from their homes, but also bad for the environment. It literally sinks. And even in the south, there were like mountains that were flattened down and they rake it so they can make sand for resorts or like bring it as gravel for concrete. Can you tell me, like, a little bit about the political climate that is creating a situation where it is dangerous to be an activist? And in some ways, it's kind of always been that way. There is a long history of that in the Philippines. Right. It's been, yeah, happening ever since, God, like the Philippine-American War. The struggle in the Philippines and the movement that Brandon and I are a part of called the National Democratic Movement really tackles this question of genuine liberation for the Filipino people, meaning removed from foreign power and foreign influence. The president right now, President Rodrigo Duterte, he was elected because he seemed promising during his run that that was what he was going to do. Duterte proposes a change in the system of government to resolve the problem once and for all. Nothing short of a federal structure would give Mindanao he even prided himself in having good relations with the Communist Party of the Philippines and the National Democratic Front of the Philippines, who are like on the left side. 
to achieve long and lasting peace, Duterte also vows to resume peace talks with all rebel groups to heal the wounds that have fractured the nation for so long. Quickly, a year in, in his presidency, he flipped and turned. He's like, I don't want to work with them anymore. Peace talks are BS. He has recently also said that human rights advocates who speak out in defense of rule of law and in defense of constitutional guarantees to rights, uh, to, to suspects' rights, should also be targets. He is like blatantly fascist and is very clear about attacking anyone who counters him. What can you tell me about... Um how he got shot and sort of what he was doing that that day. It was around the afternoon, 5 o'clock to 6, and he was picking up his daughter from school and had just dropped her off, and he was shot multiple times in front of his house. Um, and he was hit four times in the back. One of it went through his elbow, one went through his jaw, and one went through his nose. Hmm. He... He's fighting through it, you know, like he, he's had multiple cardiac arrests during this operations to remove the bullet, but he is fighting through. I think it's because he knows that it's like his job is not finished, you know. Brandon comes from a city that has a very deep history of activism and um including and especially within the Filipino community here. Mm-hmm. Like you have the history of the I Hotel and the Soma right. and the Manongs fighting for that. And then you have organizations like League of Filipino Students at San Francisco State. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of, I, I feel like it really speaks to sort of like the Filipino presence yeah. here in San Francisco and how it's intertwined with the activism yes, of yes. it. Oh, totally. I mean, I think it's because this is one of the ports where Filipinos immigrate to um, when we leave the Philippines. One of the bigger fights that Filipino communities here face in San Francisco, I mean, everyone's experiencing displacement, but the Filipino folks have been experiencing that since iHotel. And it's a struggle for like, and still continues to be a struggle of like staying here and having a life here because we contribute so much here. Um I mean, that's one of the things that I still carry. Now, I mean, I, I work with the Filipino Community Center still, and in the Excelsior, I try to advocate for um, anti-displacement and anti-gentrification work. I just went to a rally yesterday, actually, for this new high-rise they're trying to build in the Excelsior. Sometimes it feels like a really far stretch of, like, a connection to what Brandon is doing. But when I realized that these high-rises that push our people out will not be made if it wasn't for the nickel that they need for alloy or the gravel that they need to construct these high-rises. If it wasn't for these things, these high-rises wouldn't be pushing, out any, pushing us out anyway. But So in that, it's like it's true to that land is life thing that Brandon taught me, right, in that he is there protecting ancestral domain so that mining and extracting these minerals that we need here in the first world will not happen. And he is out there getting his life, like, threatened doing that work. And we are out here pushing the same way and bringing it to light as, like, yo, like, we we just want to live. So that's always been the struggle of Filipino people everywhere in the diaspora. That's what we have to always insist. It also shows, like, how global 
the activist community is in in the Bay Area, how it's so connected to the homeland. Yeah. I mean, that's why they set up the whole Southam Market Filipino Cultural Heritage District. I mean, not just so it looks cute with all of the Filipino furniture designs, but to really maintain the Filipinos that have been living here for so long. We're as integral to, to San Francisco history as any other communities here. That was Faye Lakmilau, a friend of Brandon's and an activist in San Francisco. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. We'll see you Friday. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.